If you don't like what we tell you to believe in, we'll kill you. Guy. That's today's holiday cringe for you. 
I think that was from 2019. I'm not really sure. Maybe 2020. Did, did I ever tell you that that is actually the, the original song is my least favorite Christmas song of all time? I think that was part. I think that was part of the charms. Like what a shitty song that is. <laughs> so you just you just put that obnoxious drop in it and just write stupid lyrics because I don't know content. So we're here. As you can, those of you on video, as you can see, we're joined by Warren Baylog today. Uh, it's filling in for the uh, the chairman. We're having like a we're having like a, we're having like a backbencher. We're having like a we're doing like it's like it's like the World Cup. We're doing a bunch of substitutions this week. You had Conte filling in on uh, striking Mike. He should he should fill in for both. It should be Greg and Greg. He could just Greg and Greg. Yeah. I mean, he, he could do he could do that, but that would just be Prussian socialism. But he just put with the wrong branding on it, just to like you know, just to cross pollinate all the stuff. So we've got Warren. Mike's not yeah. here. Alex is of course the floating head, and I'm here. As I've made quite clear by playing that fucking... That song has been heavily requested. I don't know. I hate all my work now, so it's just like, I just do it because I feel like I have to. But I hope you all it's, enjoyed it. Merry Christmas. Just, I, I hated the original since I was like eight years old. Every time <laughs> every time my mom would play Christmas music, that would come on, I'd just want to throw something. So I have a guilty pleasure with Christmas that uh, is, a, in this movement, is a really guilty pleasure. Oh, no. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, I actually enjoyed back in the day. I used to enjoy the show Married with Children. Okay, which is funny because I'm a I'm a Frasier fan too, like Tony Hovater. So those were like my two. I what I what I never liked was the the middle class just normal thing. But I okay. identified with the extreme poverty of the Bundys. Okay, you know? yeah, and, I and just the working class misery of Al Bundy. But I also if, I, I identified with on Frasier. I like the intellectual, you know, mm-hmm. other like kind of intellectual snobs. But uh, there was a two part. Married with Children, called and I just looked it up. It was called "It's a Bundyful Life," and your song made me think of it. Um, where is that with Sam Kinison? Parad- oh, there it is. Is that with Sam Kinison? Yeah, he's this fat comedian with yeah, long yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ow, ow! He like screams. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And he's okay, the ghost of he's about. the ghost of Christmas Past or something, right? I, yes, I think I yeah, remember yeah. this. I vaguely remember this. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's, you know, Married with Children is completely Jewish. I mean, Ed O'Neill is not. He's very, very goyish, Ohio goy, mm-hmm. uh, and he presents that way. But the writers, the the everything, the producers, yeah. the direct, it's like, and not just Jew, but like filthy, mm-hmm. gutter Jew. Yeah, right. And, of course, the show is designed to be a subversion of everything. But it's so blatant mm-hmm. that I actually found the sheer, like, absurd levels of nihilism funny. Yeah, I, I often would. Uh, at least the earlier seasons, not so much the later seasons. But that one was really, really funny because it's a parody of It's a Wonderful Life. And yes, that what's his name again? Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison. Sam yeah, Kinison. he died young, didn't he? Like, yeah, he has a cult following. Yeah, he uh, yeah he plays a guardian angel who comes to convince Al that his life is worth living. Like yeah, yeah, Clarence yeah. does. For, oh yeah, he's and Clarence. In fact, I said yeah, I mix it up with. Screw- Oh, hey, Goy. Herschel here. Are you listening to a free fag episode of The Daily Shower? Do you need a small personal loan so you can afford a paywall subscription? I may be able to help you out. For the very low price of just $10 a month, you can listen to Mike finish his talking points without annoying promotional bits like this one. Log on to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and pick the payment option that best suits your white man's agency level. E-checks, money order by mail, or cryptocurrency. Support TRS's efforts in shutting down yids like me. Rude, yeah. Well, what he does is he goes to show... uh like an alternate world if he al had never lived and all the the family is much nicer everyone's doing uh, better i know 
yeah, they're married. Well, it was the actor that played uh, Jefferson Darcy in the later seasons. This is before he was on the show, and he yeah. was in there as like the alternate husband of Peg, playing this like perfect husband. <laughs> and Bud is like a little scholar, and Kelly yeah. is like this really virtuous, sweet girl, and Peg is this perfect homemaker, and. It ends up getting to the point where the guardian angel tells Al, he's like, you know, I was here to sent here. I'm sorry I failed you, Al. He's like, I, I was sent to convince you why the world is better off with you in it. He says, but I can't think of one damn reason. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's a good take on it. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, because even It's a Wonderful Life is very. Um, if you guys ever see Frank Capra's Why We Fight series, it's a series of World War II propaganda films yeah. that he made in the during the war for the U.S. government. And it is the most evil shit. It is just seven hours of here's why oh it's God. okay to go kill Germans. Like, this is hours. why it's good. You know, it's a moral positive for you to go bomb and destroy and kill Europeans. And uh, when you watch that, and then you watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's sort of like, eh, this isn't – I like the film. I, I, I enjoy It's a Wonderful Life, but I'm sort of like Frank Capra. I mean, come on. It's like this isn't as wholesome as it's it pretends to be. And the funny thing is Pottersville is like what America <laughs> – I mean it's like a, a, a virtuous, nice, sweet version of what America is today. You know? Yeah, like we they, were saying that the other the day. the gambling and the wars and everything well, else. Yeah, it's the same – it's the same. I feel like we just had that conversation. We did. It's just, it's just like married. It's just like married with children. Now it's like you take yeah. that over Modern Family or God knows what other like yeah fucking yeah. terrible travesty they have. In, I don't know. I don't even know if they have sitcoms anymore. They still do this. I was watching one of my, my guilty pleasure around Christmas. I'll I'll pop on like an old episode of Roseanne, like one of those holiday episodes. And <laughs> so I put one on, and my daughter says, Ooh. my daughter says, Daddy. Shows with like people laughing in the background are stupid. I was like, mom was like, oh my god, you've got us, you got us all, like, you, you got us all nailed here. Like, that's exact, that's absolutely true. It's like she just, yes, she doesn't right. know the term, doesn't know the term sitcom, but like, shows with people yeah. laughing in the background are stupid. <laughs> Turn this. I showed, I showed Emily. <laughs> uh, I actually, it's funny you mentioned Roseanne because I remember I, I only had well, Alex. You know, I'm I'm in the I'm in the same uh, orbit of TV stations as you. So I got when I was growing up, I had uh, just we didn't have cable, so I just had network TV. And then the only network stations there were two out of Roanoke and one out of Bluefield. Oh so yeah, we, an, we were we were watching the same TV. Was it yeah, w we were watching the same TV. WDVJ seven. WDVJ seven. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Gene Chadhun. I used to have a big crush on. Her. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Robin Reed just retired actually. <laughs> Did he? Oh my God! Well, Robin I haven't Reed watched was supposed to, Dude, he was supposed to come to my library whenever I was a kid, and I was like super excited. And he got canceled, and I was like, Ah, oh, I don't get to see Robin well, in, Reed. In the Bluefield station, uh, the NBC station, we had Stan Sweet when I was a kid, who was this like he he would do like a cowboy trick where he was like a fast draw and very cool weatherman. But anyway, so I had these three networks, so I would end up watching. That's how I ended up watching shows like Roseanne and some number of these programs because I had two NBC stations and one CBS station growing up. That was it, and. uh I showed Emily over Halloween the first Roseanne Halloween special. Oh yeah, with the uh, and, the, the haunted uh, house thing that they do. She, yeah, yeah. She was like, "You're gonna make me watch a Roseanne." I'm just, I'm just, just trust me. Yeah. Because it was so cool. Because I was telling her like, "Welcome." I want to be. I want to be like this of terror. Like, for our kids. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to have like Halloween like this for my. Because I would watch that as a kid and be like, "Man, wouldn't it be cool to have parents that go that far right. into Halloween?" Right. Yeah. 
Well, you know, those Roseanne is interesting. Go, oh, go ahead. That was the only holiday that they did that for because she's a fucking kike. Yes. Like if you yeah, notice, like, if, you, if, you, if you watch, the, if you watch the, the program, it's like they do these elaborate Halloween specials. Yeah. They sometimes do a Thanksgiving and they occasionally do a Christmas. And like, if they're doing a Christmas, they focus on like being just being like cynical about it. Uh, yeah. Gay stuff because they had what's her face, the uh, the ugly dyke comedian on there. They have her in. Uh, is it, I want, is it Morgan Fairchild? Is that the name of the actress that played her girlfriend? So it's like these two like ideal like lesbians like sharing like they're kissing under the mistletoe and Dan is uncomfortable and like you're supposed to get this big jolly laugh out of that and it's just like ugh. yeah yeah but, yeah, yeah no but that show uh, is interesting because again watching it when I was a kid like I would it would be on and I would look at it and I identified with the blue collar aspect of it. And I like that, that it was one of these, you know, cause so many sitcoms, it's just like the yuppies in the city, you know, and that was big yeah. in the nineties. It, yeah. it was city yuppies, like the mad about you thing of just like childless city. Oh yuppies, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I hated. I, I, and I always hated Seinfeld because I, uh, um, I, I was, you know, my dad, like, I, I was that Jay woke as a kid that I knew that these are all Jews and it's so <laughs> Jewish. And I'm like, fucking jews i didn't even know why but i'm like you know i don't like but roseanne is funny because it is it's like uh they would sometimes it's kind of like the uh, archie bunker show where they would sometimes get into stuff that are real problems that working class white families would deal with yeah uh, like i remember many times there would be an episode where like they're having trouble paying the mortgage or something or dan's out mm-hmm. of work mm-hmm. And I would identify with that. I'd be like, man, I know what that's like, uh, you know, because I grew up pretty blue collar. And it's like I I understand that. But then you have Roseanne, again, because she's a Jew. She's monopolizing the – so I'm going to be the spokesman, the fat Jewess, for the white working class. Right. And it's sort of – I saw it as – later when I looked at it. It was almost like gatekeeping. It's like I'm gonna do. I'll tell the white working class story well, through a safely Jewish filter. You, well, you know what? What they, what they what they did a lot with that show is they they would they would celebrate they would celebrate the dysfunction itself. They wouldn't they wouldn't really celebrate like uh, the resilience of of working class people to get through dysfunction and and become better people. They would often revel in it. It was the same kind of thing that that like like a Rush Limbaugh would say about about like the oprah show it's like you've got these women they're sharing their stupid women problems and instead of being like all right we got to get over this moment in our lives you're like everyone has these problems too and it's okay don't solve them and so it's like so often they basically a lot of the time it's like especially like dan would be like this the everyman for this stuff or he would have to be beaten down by the circumstances of what other whatever weird shit the people that he loves and are supposed to love him are doing he just has to get over, like, like, like I just mentioned the Christmas episode where Morgan Fairchild and what the hell, Sandra Bernhard was that her name? Like they're like making yes. out, they're like making yeah. out in his hallway, and and st- I mean I would just be like, get the fuck out of my house with that shit. Yeah. Like you're like you're like you're lucky I let you yeah. come around here at all with you doing, it. but if you're gonna do that, you get, but like no, he just like he makes this nail and just like goes through it, and like that's just that's just what being an American is about in the nineties. We're just we're very yes. See, you know, see, like, it's funny because Married with Children, I felt was more. They were both doing the blue collar, like you're yeah. broke all the time thing. Married with Children, first of all, I felt that the filth and degeneracy and and uh, nihilism and depravity was more honest because it's just so mm-hmm. upfront. It's front loaded in Married with Children. They're making fun of how nihilistic it is. Like very often, they, it wouldn't be like the kind of thing where Archie Bunker he melts at the end and yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you know, yeah. now I accept the gay <laughs> kid or whatever. It was like Al would always be irredeemably bad by right. the end of a, a show. Yeah. But I think a lot of people I, – I don't think I'm alone. A lot of white guys liked Al Bundy because he was just so like the avatar of like a certain kind of white man. You know, like the the, the, the boy. If you're hearing my voice right now, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Unless this is just how you want to live. Who am I to tell people to stop listening to free content that's constantly interrupted that has to deal with my voice and whatever audio quality this is going to come out in? Who am I to tell people that they should be getting behind the paywall at the right stuff dot biz slash paywall? Especially if they're not white, which I assume that's what, what you probably are if you're hearing my voice right now. This is... That's just that's just my assumption. I could be wrong, but I mean, if you're not white legally, you do have to tell me that you're not white. This is. I told Sven that I'd I'd record some commercials for him, and at first I thought I was going to put some effort into it, but then I realized, why don't I just ramble in the dumbest way possible and force you to listen to it? Because that's what you're doing right now. You are listening to this. What it, Mike was probably saying something very interesting, something very insightful, and now you're listening to me. Is this really what you want? Is this is this how you want to live? Do you want to be non-white? Because again, that's I just assume that's what you are. You could always fix that. You could rectify this problem by going to the right stuff biz slash paywall and getting yourself a subscription, and then you'll never have to hear me again, you know, unless I'm filling it or something. Friend that the daughter would bring home, and he would like beat the guy's head into the wall yeah. and throw him out, you know, <laughs> which I know is going to be me. In, I know, in right? Years. I'm waiting for that. And uh, yeah. and it's like, yeah. It, but I'm, I'm going to link this before I forget. I if if you're into those two shows, Seinfeld, Married with Children, you got to read this. Oh boy! At some point, not you don't necessarily have to do it today, but this is a great article. What is it? It's written by a Jew. It's Married with Children versus Seinfeld, and it discusses oh. it discusses the different existential nature of these two shows. Where Seinfeld is essentially just pure nihilism. Yeah, it's like it's like Sartre is no exit, right? Like it's just these awful people torturing each other. But yeah. Married with Children, according to this article, and I kind of agree with this. It's sort of like the myth of Sisyphus or something. Like there's there there are redeemable elements to it. And if you remember the last episode of the show <laughs> Overthinking it, that's the name of the website. <laughs> 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 yeah. Seinfeld is just I Seinfeld's like a cartoon. Like I can enjoy it because this this just is it's so far removed from reality. Like nobody is right. doing anything functional. It's so antisocial and it's so outrageous that like I don't really mind it. It's just like it's like Jewish fantasy comedy. So it's it's definitely. I, like I said, I never could watch it because I was so aware of how Jewish it was. Well, they're so I neurotic. Actually watch it because I know like Tony's a big fan of Seinfeld. Uh, Emily likes Seinfeld. She yeah. thinks it's a funny show. So I, I should actually check it out sometime and watch it and just take it as is. You well, know, you know what the big thing is like a lot of these a lot of these nineties pieces of entertainment don't really hold up anymore. They don't keep your attention. They're not saying that they're not as funny as like that's the, like there's so much more material out there, especially yeah. stuff like our kind of material where it's like somebody who didn't come through to find an audience through the official channels. You just kind of got an audience through the Internet like that's those people are so much more creative and so much funnier. These things are actually yeah. kind of tame. I watched an episode of Seinfeld recently for the first time. In I don't know how many years and I was kind of like, eh. It's okay. <laughs> it, was, it was like kind of funny, but again, also it is just it does absolutely center around what terrible people they are. Like the one I watched, yeah. George is trying to hire a secretary. He's working for the Yankees at this point, and so like if a he's taught he's he's telling Jerry about how if a woman comes in and she's attractive, 
He's like, nope, not going to work out. So he's trying to find like a dumpy, dour, like ugly secretary. And he, he hires one and he ends up banging her anyway, which is what he was trying to avoid. It's just, it's just like, it's like a bad, it's, you know, it's just a bad, the whole, the whole episode's a bad joke, but like it makes sense in that universe that that's what would, exactly what would happen because these are just bad people. Right. Like, yeah. it's like, I'm not going to not fuck my secretary. I'm going to try to get one that doesn't tempt me. And then find that I'm like, <laughs> right. then find that I'm like, I'm actually attracted to her like competence and her efficiency rather than her looks. And so it's just like, it, it's just typical Jew shit. It's funny, but it was Alex, funny. Did you see on, on channel seven, they would have like every day at five thirty, every weekday for my whole childhood was the Andy Griffith show. Yes. Yes. And I watched that. Yeah. Every day I watched yep. the shit out of the Andy Griffith show. Like I know oh every we, black we and white episode. Yeah, we watched the same show. We watched the same show at the same time. (laughs) We did. We did. No, and and, uh, the Andy Griffith show was great because I'm, you know, I moved to West Virginia from Pennsylvania when I was seven. Wait, wait. So uh, I was, uh, I'm 40 now. um, Okay, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we were watching the same show at the same at the same age at the same. Yeah, and and, uh, that that show. I don't know. I mean, the Andy Griffith show holds up in a lot of ways. It's uh, it's because it's it's got. I don't know. It's got a heart to it. It's it's and then there were still plenty of Jews involved with the pro- pro- producing of it. Right. But overall, it's still a very good show. And it's very accurate with certain observations about country life and country people. And and I know that's all because Andy Griffith himself comes from uh, what was it? Uh, is it Mount Airy? I mean, it's yep, not that yep. far. If you go south yep, of no, where you and I, I are, to, dude, I used to transport patients there all the time. I, I've really? I've never been there. so many times. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never, never been, been in the museum, but I've driven past it several several times. But yeah, it's a it's a funny, good show, and it's got uh, there's usually you know when they do the serious stuff on the show when there's like a moral or something, it's it's well done. It's not like too saccharine or over mm-hmm. the top. Um, but yeah, it's it's I have a very. Do, do you remember the character of Floyd Lawson? Because I, I remember whenever I was younger, I was probably like. I don't know, 12 or so, I noticed the fact that Floyd Lawson was like the first archetype of like the wacky character. Like he was the Kramer on that show. <laughs> he was the Kramer. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting theory. He totally changed after his stroke. I'm picturing, I'm picturing, I'm picturing Kramer lines now, but instead of Jerry, he's saying, Opie, like he's telling, <laughs> he's, he's telling Opie. <laughs> Kramer, what's going on in there? Slayer, Opie. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you, you watch those old shows and you wonder how, like, when did the Jews go from we're going to just give white America what they want, you know, and deliver on it versus like, we're all right, we're going to come. I mean, you can almost trace it with like Archie Bunker where where like it starts well, to just, Archie Bunker. Okay, they just failed. They try to make him the, the heel, but everybody liked him. And that right. sort of happened. That happened right. again with 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 Bundy. It's just that, like, with Bundy, things were so much more degenerate. I remember that was the show where it was like, my my mom was like fifty fifty, and like I, I shouldn't even like not letting me watch yeah. it because you never knew. Dated. I don't even. I'm not. I don't remember why. It was just because like the way Kelly Bundy and like her friends would dress. I'm not really sure. Like there was sex jokes there in it. There was a lot of sex jokes in it that were just that were just like crude Jewish sex jokes that yeah. weren't even that funny. You know, they would they, they would like pile. That. It's the same way with like the Game of Thrones show. The way they would just have like gay sex scenes that aren't even in the books. You know, to just like Ugh. overload it with yeah. shit. 
I felt the same thing with Married with Children. Like there would be funny comment, sort of social commentary on being broke, being a blue collar mm-hmm. guy, being in an unhappy marriage. But then they would just load it with this, this like not very funny sex crap that's just yeah. raunchy. You know that the purpose of it is to just desensitize you, or whatever. You know. Um, I remember but, uh, going back to these '60s shows, though. I don't. The, the, the things that they would do were just more subtle than. And carrying on through the 80s, then every now and then it would just be like a very special episode or like something socially yeah. uh, conscious yeah. takes place. But I, I remember I never really watched the Andy Griffith show, but I, I did watch Leave it to Beaver quite a bit when I was younger. And I just I remember one episode where like they had like a a, a new kid in school and his name was Jose. And I, I remember <laughs> I remember I'm never calling and they were calling him Josie and they got in trouble. And I just I th- Maybe it was Andy Griffith's show. I don't know. One don't of these black, so. one uh, of these yeah. black and white sitcoms ended with yeah. the the titular character, the main character, is like writing Jose a hundred times on the blackboard, and like they've come to like respect this, like uh, you know. So it's it, it's a, just a, a a different level, but they were still doing it, you know. I saw an episode one time of uh, a show that I never watched, but I think it was what was the one with John Boy? What what was that show? The Waltons. I think so. Was I think that was the Waltons. Yeah. Good night, John Boy. The, yeah. the, the John Boy was like the golden yeah. kid. The really good. There's this one time I caught this on television. There's this episode where he's discussing Mein Kampf. Yeah, it's the Waltons. <laughs> <laughs> what, really? It's the Waltons. Yes. Yeah. You can find a clip of this maybe. And I was like, what the hell is this? And apparently, in the story, he I don't know what happens. He does a book because I guess it takes place back in the day. You know, it takes place while yeah, stuff yeah. was going on. And he other does like a it's almost like American History X where he does like a book report on Mein Kampf or something. But I turn on this this show and there's John Boy talking about Hitler. And I think he was sort of getting into it. The whole idea is he's like getting into the Nazi thing. And then at a certain point, they reveal that, you know, actually, this is murderous, terrible ideology and you don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> it was this is pretty annoying, huh? All this can go away. You bought a paywall. Writestuff.biz slash paywall. You can use crypto, e-checks, mail in a money order, or even use your credit card on Sven's Odyssey channel. The link will be below in the show notes. That's the writestuff.biz slash paywall. Really bizarre. I never watched the whole episode. But, uh, it's called the Firestorm. Yeah, see, I, I never really watched the Waltons. The only experience I had with them is my mom was a big fan, so she would always play the the Waltons Christmas special or something like that every year. Yeah, that's what yeah, came up in my research year. results here. It's called the Firestorm. The Firestorm. Yeah. What's the plot description on that? <laughs> uh, John Boy becomes the target of public indignation when he si- insists on printing excerpts from Hitler's Mein Kampf in his newspaper. <laughs> What can yeah, I do? Really bizarre. Well, they let the others do what they want. John Boy can run a newspaper. Mary Ellen gets to go to nursing school. And Jason spends all his time on music. Well, I suppose that's what you call increasing your talents. But I don't have any talents. What? All right, that has nothing to do with it. I'm not hearing any mic yeah. here. That is from, that is from the Firestorm. A... It's a quick clip, but... See if you could find John Boy talking about Hitler because it was just it was just really there was a, um, strange. There was an episode of the Andy Griffith Show that's just like the anti Stefan Molyneux episode where they were advocating corporal punishment of of children. Oh man! Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually that's a really because they they make this horrible brat that's just this yeah 
I just got I just, I just got the best like YouTube search result. It's Family Feud from 1979. It's the cast of Dukes of Hazard versus the cast of the Waltons. <laughs> that's, not, that's a major television event right there. there <laughs> Survey says. There oh shit! But, but the the thing with Jose, uh, there was an episode actually I watched with uh, with my dad a number of years about ten years ago. He was – what happened was uh, – what's his name who played Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke? Um, James Arnest died. And dad like, was very struck by that. He's like, this was my hero as a kid growing up. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't have any idea. And he's, he, he's like, he was my lion you know, as a kid, like just so you understand. And I'm like, okay, all right. So we, we started watching Gunsmoke. Um, I got like a season of it and downloaded it. And uh, – it's actually a really good show. It holds up really, really well. It's these short half hour. Because, see, television back then ha- would have viewerships that are much, even though the population of the country is today twice what it was then. But there were only the three networks. So a yeah. show like Gunsmoke would get, you know, 30 million, 40 million people watching it versus right. today you're lucky if you crack, like, you know, 2 yeah. million people watching a show. So they would have to make the plot in such a way that it appeals to the broadest number of people. Uh, so, it, you know, there, there would be... It, it's kid friendly in terms of you're not seeing cowboys getting their brains blown out, but it's still there's actual drama and anyway, it was a pretty good show. It was really interesting, and we're watching it, and I think it was in the first season, and this is in the 50s or the 60s. There's an episode where there's a Chinaman in Dodge City who is facing all this anti-Chinese abuse, and Matt Dillon, who is like the most all-American John Wayne type gunslinger gives the town this angry speech about how he's not a Chinaman. He's an American now and we're all Americans. And I, I was just like, Oh my God. I mean, it's just like right there, you know, but yeah, you would catch those, like you say, the special episode where they're going to give you that, that lesson. <laughs> yeah, that must've been all through the sixties. I mean, Star Trek, of course, is notorious for it. Well, Star Trek was nothing but that, right? I yeah. mean, Star Trek, that's like the thing that defines the original Star Trek. first interracial kiss was in Star Trek, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like wall-to-wall degen. Well, and the other thing about Star Trek, which I'm sure you guys have touched on in this show, but just how Jewish the first uh, Star Trek uh, series was, you know, with Jew Spock and Jew Captain and uh, Jew Russian and... <laughs> It's yeah. like I mean, uh, of course, we've said this before. Uh, Gene Roddenberry, his vision though was not like the Jewish vision, so it's like, oh, the future, everybody gets along, and uh, uh, yeah, you, you, you're not in constant conflict with your crewmates. Yeah, yeah. Which that, yeah. that always shocks me whenever I go back and I watch any of the even Star Trek Next Generation, particularly Star Trek Next Generation, any of that stuff. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a show where all of the main cast seems like they're just genuinely friends with each other. Weird. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. see that in modern uh, TV or film. Yeah. That's, that, dude, that's one of the things I hate the most. Like, my wife will try to, like, watch a new show, and every character has to be a complete asshole. They have to be at each other's throats the whole time because we need character drama. The character drama is basically just the characters being awful. Yes. To each other. Yeah. The yeah. whole time. <laughs> yeah. Dysfunction is a... Yeah. Yeah. That's not... I mean... I, yeah, when when characters, I, I I don't know. I like the I like a dynamic team that work together well. I like fiction that includes that. I was just talking about with Mike about Dracula, the novel Dracula, and uh, it's funny because in the books they make it all, or in the films they make it all about Van Helsing. But in the original book, 
It's like this whole team of people mm-hmm. that assembles to combat this guy. And uh, it, it has very uh, almost anti-Semitic overtones as far as you have the one character who's just like a parasite who's hiding and going from place to place and sucking people's blood. And, and then you have this group of people who are all like friends and they all work together. And um, the only film version that gets at that is the uh, the Francis Ford Coppola one because you, you actually mm-hmm. see like all the different former suitors of uh, – Lucy, Lucy, you know, yeah. are all like fighting to avenge her. The cowboy, you know, who's, who's actually in the book, the one that kills Dracula. He's like out of all the movie versions. But anyway, we don't have to stay on this stuff too long. We can we can get to dig into content, dig into news if you guys want. But this is tedious, so we can still talk about like <laughs> shows that only people born like well, in the early really '80s or before we, will get right. We, we got to cap just... off the Married with Children thing real fast. Uh, okay, yeah, let's see that. The article. final episode of Married with Children does in fact culminate in a wedding. Kelly, the promiscuous daughter, gets engaged to a criminal who's also the heir to a fortune. The classic sitcom trope of the backyard wedding occurs, ah. and we're prepared to accept this change in status quo because we know that. It's the end of the series. When Al learns, however, that Kelly's prospective husband has no intention of staying faithful to her once they're married, Al invokes one of the most common running jokes of the series, inflicting casual violence upon one of Kelly's suitors. <laughs> Despite the fact that Kelly marrying this man would likely have the Bundys financially set for life, Al chooses marital fidelity and his love for his daughter above the economic success that has eluded him and decimated the image of his masculinity mm. for the past 11 years of the series. The final frame is a shot of Al punching the guy's lights out. <laughs> I've, I've never seen the final. I I've never seen it either. I've never even watched like the late seasons. I remember there was that thing where they formed that No Ma'am club. I remember No they, Ma'am. They, they, that was great. Yeah. Hilarious. You like that? I, I found that once they got into that, I was just like, all right, they're 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 milking this for too much. <laughs> that's interesting, though. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's the funny thing about Al is he, they never show him be unfaithful to Peggy. I think there's a, I think there's like an episode early on where he's tempted, where he has. Oh, hi guys. Here's another pre-recorded interruption, not an actual interruption. I'm just here to remind you. We need you to go ahead and pick up a subscription at the right stuff.biz/slash paywall. You can use money orders, you can use crypto, you can use e-checks, you can even go to my Odyssey channel, Uncle Spend's other tone stream, and you can use your credit card on there to get around the Jews' uh, banishment of our banking services. That works. So you can do that until you can't. I don't know. But thanks. We'll be right back to the show now. It's the chance, and he doesn't, which is like weirdly traditional. <laughs> I remember I remember that show being like an advertisement for divorce. Because yeah, like, it, it, seemed, of, it seemed like every episode he he had he had like all the reasons in the world to just like pack up and get the hell out of there, and he never did. Which was well, and, and every now and then, Seagal is Jewish. Yeah, you know, every now and then they would do like a family coming together thing with them, but they would sort of something would happen where like the family would have to come together to actually show affection for one another and respect and stuff. And then it would be back to the same old crap the the, the next yeah. week. But very rarely yeah. they would pull that up. But it's just, it just seemed like these people. Just were just didn't belong together, and it was absurd that they, you know, like that, that. I mean, that's part of a that's part of a Jew thing too. It's like, oh, why would you? Why should you have to suffer in this uh, this you know this antiquated institution where you're just stuck with a person you can't stand doing things you don't like because you have because society says you have to because yeah. you kids yeah very gay yeah. the uh, the 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 stuff though about retail and like. So I'll, I'll we'll shift a little oh here, God, I, but I have something that I'll tell you guys that that ties into it this. So I was on Nordic Resistance Movement's podcast yesterday, oh. and on the on the show was a guy from Iceland and a guy from Finland. And I've never talked to anyone from either of those two countries, so that oh. was a real treat for me because, 
you know, great history there, great countries. And uh, we were discussing because this ties in with Mike uh, being sick, you know, because he's he's been catching. We've all been catching this stuff doing these NJP events. It's just like regular, you mm-hmm. know, c- catching the worst stuff. And uh, the guy from Finland was telling me that in Finland, you basically get unlimited sick days, paid sick days. Uh, you know, now if you were to start abusing it, hmm. they might ask for a doctor's excuse at a certain point. But it's right. just like a given that when you're sick, you stay home and you get paid to stay home. They also get five weeks paid vacation. Five weeks. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, again, you hear about this stuff in Europe. And we were discussing, because my dad was on the show with me, and we are discussing how, like, a lot of companies in the U.S., after the first year, you get a week. Yeah. And then if you're there, like, the second year, you get two weeks, and then you got to be there, like, ten years to get five weeks. Yep. And uh, I was thinking about that, because I've worked retail. I've I've done plenty of retail stuff, I, mainly cell phone sales. And uh, that whole environment is so pregnant with comedic possibilities sitcoms skits you know what i mean like Retail? that whole oh, yeah. world yep. but it's something that i feel like the people particularly today you know you we were talking a little before the show started about these uh, the bankman freed uh, dysgenic multi-generational jewish privilege i feel like the people making stuff in hollywood are so nepotistic and inbred and disconnected from the real world like even a show like the andy griffith show part of what makes it work is the fact that Andy Griffith understands he gets the kind of small town dynamic that the show is trying to portray. So he's bringing that to the show. That that is a, that is a point that Critical Drinker has made actually. Critical Drinker you probably heard of him. He does a, a whole bunch of reviews of this kind of stuff. But his point is to be a good writer, you need life experience. Right. Yes. You, you need some kind of life experience. You can't yes. just grow up in this nepotistic culture of Hollywood and actually write anything worth a damn because you don't have any experience. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, a good example of that. And again, I'm a big film buff, so you guys will have to excuse me. But I know you guys both like like you you guys are both more into movies than Mike is. So so this is this is fun for me. Um, The 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 King Kong, the original King Kong, 1933, uh, Marion C. Cooper. That was one of my favorite films as a kid. That that movie. I got an old VHS of it uh, when I was a kid and I just fucking love that film. And uh, Peter Jackson is also a fan of the film like I am. I am not a fan of Peter Jackson's movies. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't like his King Kong at all. I thought it was just a big CGI mess. And there was a lot of political correctness in it. Like the square-jawed, like white, masculine hero of the original film. They make him a writer. It's sort of a bug man in the, in the new updated version. And, uh, of course, the, the very, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the old King Kong, but the natives are like a caricature of darkest Africa cannibal blacks, you know? And, of course, they changed that for the updated version. Um, the the damsel in distress character is a little more feminist. But the main thing about <laughs> it is the original film, the guy who made it, you read about this guy, Marion C. Cooper. He was in real life like what the character, the movie director in the film is. He was a crazy like an aviator he was an explorer he had done uh military stuff in world war one I, I think after the war ended he fought with the polish army against the the soviets when they were trying to take control of poland the first time and uh he had done african safaris he had in one of the uh the final scene when the planes attack king kong i think he's actually piloting one of the planes so the guy was just this 
like renaissance man of life experience of crazy world experience and if you look at peter jackson he is just this schlubby fat nerd who's a big movie buff you know and that's all he is all he knows is watching films and being a fan of films he's like the classic Bugman film nerd you know which i identify with to some extent <laughs> i'm not gonna beat up that up too much but like there's a freshness and a rawness to the older a lot of the older stuff errol flynn is another one i'm a big fan of errol flynn he's like my favorite actor and if you read about the guy's life he really was the kind of person that he portrays in the movies he was this world adventurer ladies man you know badass and uh you get a guy like uh orlando bloom you know and you cast him in a role uh like in the pirates of the caribbean films he's got the he's got the goatee and the fencing and he's yeah. sort of doing the errol flynn bit but he's not actually that type of guy uh, I feel like everything in media today, and I've talked about this before on shows, but it's like if you take a Xerox machine and you start copying a copy and then you copy the copy and then you copy the copy and the image is degrading to where you can't even see it anymore. Right, it's right. just like a ghost because image. it's just very self-referential, right? Like they're, they're yes. making films based on, on previous films. The, their their worldview is shaped by by media. It's not inspired by the actual world. So it's it's getting – got this repetition that also just doesn't feel real. It's not, yeah, it doesn't it's not feel real. I mean, and I've, I've seen that even with stuff like, uh, you know, uh, Warhammer. Warhammer is a good example of this, too. Warhammer Fantasy is something, when I was younger, I really liked that. And the first generation of weird, eccentric British dudes that wrote that were history buffs. They were totally into military history, medieval history, and they knew their history. So a lot of the early Warhammer lore was kind of like tongue-in-cheek parodying actual history stuff. That's, but then you would there, get, There's a reason for that, because back in the day when they were doing that, it was historical war gaming was the thing. I think... Yes! I think that was... That maybe this was one of the first times where they came up with a fantasy version of that. Yeah. And, then, and of course, they were heavily influenced by Dungeons & Dragons because they were... Selling that, that's how Games Workshop actually started, is they were they were distributing Dungeons and Dragons in England shortly after it was created. That's that's where they got their start. Right. Right. And they and it was really it, it had a freshness. Well, this is pretty annoying. You don't want to hear my voice. You want to hear uh Mike finish his thought, huh? But uh you can't, because you don't have a subscription. You should go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. Tag it to it that even by like the late 90s there were a couple of people that came into it i remember i forget the name there was this guy gavin so-and-so i forget his name but there were this this group of people that took over the writing yeah, and the lore gav thorpe that's it that's it see we we you know Brothers from a different mother. Um, no, that's, that's really weird. So you were in a fantasy. I was never in a fantasy. I was always in 40K. And I have a weird story where I started in Battletech, actually. I started in Battletech because I played MechWarrior 2. It's a very convoluted way to get into working. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's, it's, it's something that uh, I feel like the – yeah, these guys just got – there was a certain generation of Bugmen fans that took over the writing of the lore. And it's it's like their only thing they've known that they've been into is wow. Warhammer lore or fantasy lore, and uh, it just it just sucks. Like I, I lately, I'll tell you guys, I have gotten so into um, Napoleonic history in the last few years because it's like it's it's scratching the same itch for me that why I used to be into like fantasy lore and stuff like that, where I'm just like learning about all the cool stuff, the cool characters and history and everything. But it's so much more uh, convincing. <laughs> 
<laughs> because it's real, you know. I mean, it's complicated. You know, it takes a while to get to get into it. Um, but I, I just can't get, I can't find that old thing anymore where I used to enjoy a lot of fantasy stuff because so much of it is just like you say, it's self-referential, copying the copy. Um, and but that applies to uh, comedy as well. I think comedy is is something that you know. Do they still do that? You, do they still do comedy? Hey, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's like even if you remove all the, um, even if you stripped away all the prohibitions on things you can't say and things you can't do in comedy mm -hmm. because of woke stuff, political correctness. If you took away all those guardrails, Hollywood is still not going to make a funny show because the people writing it only know Jewish wealth and privilege. <laughs> they yeah. have no, no point of reference for like, like I say, the, the absurdity of the retail world, for instance, which is just one joke scenario after another if you actually do retail work i mean it's just like one gag out of a sitcom after another the customers you get and the people you deal with and the situations you find yourself in or working in a shitty restaurant like applebee's yeah, i never did that kind of work but i knew a lot of people who did, did you, and did they you were just, all did you, did you just say that applebee's was shitty <laughs> now you're gonna yeah, fight. Be, no, gonna be yeah, fight. we can't be friends anymore. You gotta meet me in the Applebee's parking <laughs> I, lot. Now. I saw a movie a long time ago. I think it was starring like Justin Long or somebody pathetic like that, where he was, a, you know, it was all about the waiters in the in the kitchen staff in one of these chain type restaurants. They didn't name. Movie, I, can't, I can't remember the name. I, mean, of it, I can't I either. It. But I remember being like, I remember just being like, I get it, but this is still too inside. Like it was almost like if you didn't work in one of those things, you like half the movie was over right. your head. But was, was there a whole whole was, thing about having flair on your uniform? Like you'd have these like pins and stuff. Office no, space. that's office, office space. space. That was that movie. Yeah, that, that was decided. This this movie took entirely took place entirely in the in the restaurant and was about their struggles and it was basically about uh, somebody who doesn't tip in, the, in his line. is like, well, I guess you need it more than I do or something like that and it comes back to bite him in the ass at the end. It was like this, oh, it's like life lesson yeah. of, of careful who you're... Yeah. Uh, see, see, you couldn't yeah. do that without like showing now. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. America's so much more diverse so you'd have to show like the niggers that don't tip and complain and they want everything just right i mean i've heard that from so many people i never did food service at all like it was i don't want to say it was beneath my dignity but it was beneath my dignity <laughs> like i was like i'm never gonna i'm never gonna serve people food for a living um but you know a lot of people that's a tough that's a tough job so i have respect for people who do it and have done it but uh but that's yeah that's one I of those things high school that, it was it's just a job I, you can I, get <laughs> when you're a kid this the, the the world of main consumer retail has gotten so uh, surreal and like just detached from anything. Like I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. I was in uh, a city with Emily. I won't say which city, but this is when she and I first got together. It's where she'd been living at the time. And we went to a T-Mobile store. Mm-hmm. And because uh, she had T-Mobile and it was right on the edge of a neighborhood of a lot of Latino mestizo. I don't want to insult sure. striker mestizo <laughs> immigrants. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of mestizos and uh, it was one of the most dystopian. Hey, everybody. Jordan Peterson here. I wrote a book about 12 rules for how to live your life. And I have a 13th rule for you. 
subscribe to TRS. Go to the right stuff.biz slash paywall and pick the payment option that best suits your needs. Experiences I've ever had. It was I, I, you walk in this store and you know the the way they they have these construction crews that that just travel the country building like the same damn yeah. store over and over and over again. Sure. And it's the, the cheapest possible materials mm-hmm. and it's just all stamped out. No local anybody like local construction crews. And it was this you know T-Mobile has this horrible neon pink purple color and it was some sort of music playing that was like uh it sounded like it was written by a computer it's like lo-fi, know, it was, lo-fi beats to study too it was like that kind of stuff like in the background it was, it was, it was more <laughs> obnoxious it was more invasive than that okay it was, it was definitely like some sort of uh computerized hip-hop but it was just it wasn't music it's just fucking noise you know okay. it's just okay. like this sure. invasive noise that's sort of raping your ears <laughs> and Everyone in it was a mestizo of some form except for the manager. He was white, mm. and he was some sort of weird faggot. I mean like a fat, ah, of lumpy, strange fag with like weird piercings. I mean uh, present company accepted, uh, Alex, but strange like earrings and that kind of thing. But no, he was just a weird-looking, off-putting faggot. Um, I think he had like fangs. I think he had like the fang thing, you know, where it's like some of the teeth are missing and he's got the, I don't know. It was just Uh, very strange, very strange. But the mestizos were not like of a uniform type. It wasn't like, you know, you see Hispanic people where there's, okay, well, this is clearly a blend between an Indian and a European, you know, it's like a nice, even blend of a Spanish person and a, and an Indian. (laughs) And that's like, and like a race of, of this blend. No, like, it was weird, strange, random admixtures. They were fat and squat and bizarre. And it, the whole thing, and no one's interacting with each other. You know, the kids huh. were fat and weird. And it was just like total dystopia, total dystopia. And I'm like, man, can't I, – I remember thinking about that later. If you just filmed reality or just slightly just do some social commentary on this, you could make films. You could make sitcoms. You could make whatever. Uh, no one is honestly tackling, honestly, realistically looking at what's going on in America today. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's it's something that's just you don't see it in media. Like the actual reality of America is something not reflected in media. No, when I see American media now, I see like the Jewish ideal what they're trying to push. It's like it's like when you watch. Like I don't need to watch content. I can on once a year on yeah. Thanksgiving, I can see a football game. I can watch the advertising. I can see what they want. They have a homosexual. African-American who's living his best life and he's talking about the uh, the AIDS prescription that he takes there there's or there's there's this like wildly wildly um uh, uh, uh wild, wildly successful black families living in John Hughes mansions you know yeah it's, it's stuff it's like that like, uh, it's almost like Soviet propaganda where it's oh, it's, pff, it's almost a well, I, what I mean is, it makes me it's, it's it makes like, me wonder if Soviet propaganda ever existed, and it's like now they get to realize <laughs> their dream. And that's what a lot of this stuff is. It's like all these all these things you heard about over the over the over the decades of how terrible white people are. Like like take the take the criminal justice system. All these things that were so horrible that were done to blacks. Like they never actually happened, but now we get to do it to white people. Now you get now you yeah. get to, now you get to be the guy who you dropped your TV on on the cop's foot and he threw you in there for assaulting an officer. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's from American yeah. History X. That's like the dumb excuse he gives. Like, I, I had a TV. I was looting. I dropped the TV and hit his foot. 
He said, I assault. It was like, okay, so you're looting. We're going to just step over the step over the looting. You were participating in a riot, but you you got you got fucked by the system. But now you get to literally take white people who did nothing wrong. Like, all right, you're going in for uh, for crimes against whoever because because you deserve it because it's what you did. to We made up you doing this to blacks for in the in the 1960s, I guess. It's just it's all the yeah, same it's, shit. It's, it's like it's like Zog wish fulfillment. Yes. Is, and they get to do media. it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and which is not good. It's not entertaining stuff. So I, I watched, uh, I'll tell you guys, another film I watched recently was Midnight Cowboy uh, with uh, Dustin Hoffman and um, what's his name? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Angelina Jolie's dad. Uh, I forget his name. Deliverance guy. Yeah. And, um, um, that you made me forget his name. John Voight. <laughs> John Voight. John Voight, right? John Voight. Yeah. John Voight. Okay. Who's a big Zionist, by the way. Sure. Weirdly so. He's like a, he's like a Jordan Peterson type. Just, just. <laughs> loves everything about jews in israel like <laughs> to a just absurd degree uh, I, I don't know why that is but anyway uh but midnight cowboy is a uh, classic like what is that the new wave cinema you know the 70s where it's like there's no plot mm-hmm. everything's gritty people's lives suck everyone's damaged i used to hate movies like that because yeah. i grew up on star wars and indiana jones i like you know the big sweeping you know but, but now I, I i find it refreshing if i watch a movie like cool hand luke or any of these kind of these these gritty countercultural films from the 60s and the 70s because at least there's some fucking realism to it there's some kind of like let's just look at reality even if it's mm-hmm. shitty um now today it's like reality is shittier than it's ever been mm-hmm. in america in our lifetimes and no one is honestly looking at it or observing it or studying it uh instead you get like you say you get this uh the the wish fulfillment of of zog the uh yeah. the star star wars admiral with the pink hair or the blue hair oh my <laughs> god know? that was laura dern right like, i remember that i have not i've not been able to do what mike the, did and watch uh even like the red later media guys talking about the new the wait what mike was gonna say what did we all miss that is that because this is the free fag edition? Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall for your subscription today. Cards. I, I, I can't do it. I can't even hate watch it. I can't even hate watch a review of it because it disgusts me so much. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I was trying to watch what is it? Strange New Worlds. And I just I had to punch out. I had to punch out. It's, I think it's that's got the one. Goldsman doing the writing for it. I think that's the one Spectre likes. I think Spectre <laughs> likes that one. One day I got a DM from him after we talked about it. Like, you guys are wrong. This show's awesome. <laughs> wrong about what? Not liking Strange New Worlds. He thought that he felt like that. This one feels like the real series, like the real thing. You know what they're I mean? Try, they're trying. Yeah. They're trying their damnedest, but it, it 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 you just can't sit through it because it's got these characters like. It's got this fucking Mexican dyke character. I yeah. just can't sit there and watch her on screen. It's so obnoxious. I, yeah, I for some reason was watching some portion of that. I think the Red Letter Media talked about it, so I went and I looked at it for a minute. And yeah, it was all these like it's all these super like mestizo dykes and shit. It was very strange. You know what? I've, I've also been hearing this whole like captures the original energy of what the, the of the original series was that there's some uh-huh. new Star Wars miniseries. Called Endor or something. I was watching that. Oh, I've been, I, but like, I can't do it because I'm just like, no, I've, I've been burned too many times on this. I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time with that. Here's my position on that. It would be an okay-ish mm-hmm. science fiction show. Okay. I don't know why it's set in the Star Wars universe. It doesn't add anything to the show. It's like, do we have to just bring? Is science fiction just going to be Star Wars from now on? 
Well, it's just like if you have like a science if, if you have a science fiction myself. idea, let's try to let's try to fit it into this. Uh, let's fit it into this franchise because otherwise, science fiction tends to bomb. But if we can try to link it up with Star right. Trek or Star Wars, it might have a fighting chance at like finding an audience and having. But you know, I don't know. I have a recommendation for fathers out there. I I showed my son uh, the second of the two Ewoks films from oh, yeah. the '80s. The one, uh, I think it's called cool. Battle for Endor. And it's funny because it's basically Heidi in outer space. Uh, Wilford Brimley plays like the grandfather character. And there's a the little girl that is, um, <laughs> that is uh, you know, lost. She loses her family. And uh, the bad guys are basically space niggers. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like they're, they're, they are literally a race of space niggers. Uh, they, they call them, I think, the Marauders. I mean, they don't have a name in the film. But uh, Warwick Davis, they're just of like, hmm? what's that? <laughs> I was looking to cast Warwick Davis, of course. Oh yeah, of course, plays. Wicked. I mean, it's it's actually it's actually a good film for kids. It's like a good kid film. I mean, the the the, uh, the, the little girl, her whole family gets wiped out. I mean, she's like a she's like a South African child who you know the niggers come and slaughter her family in the opening uh, of the of the film, and uh, then she's lost and she goes and. This this old man uh, protects her and like a grandfather character, and then uh, at the end, you know, they have to fight off uh, this this gang of of marauders. But the, mara- the the marauders in the film are just they're they're space niggers. I mean, if you watch it, you'll see what I mean. They they don't have the technology of their own. They have like captured technology that they took from a higher civilization, a higher race that's all taped together and like that sort of Star Wars style. Um, but it's actually a pretty good, especially for a made-for-TV film. It's a pretty good film for kids. Uh, but it's totally absent any kind of woke anything. And it's based on – it is literally based on Heidi. I think what happened was uh, George Lucas saw Heidi with his daughter and was inspired to just let's do this let's in outer rhyme. space. Rhymes. But, but yeah, um, what was I going to say? The, I've never um, seen that. Actually, I never even heard I, of that. I, I am to the point though where anything new is is I, I welcome over franchises, even beloved franchises, even stuff that I really enjoyed when oh, I was a kid. Like the new Indiana Jones that's coming out. Oh my god! I just saw I just saw a still. Uh, when Werner I was von Braun is the villain. Is that what it is? Oh or is really? Like a guy based on? I didn't know that. That's I was, what I heard. All I saw was that I was I was you know when I was googling stuff we were talking about John Boy and whatnot. I scrolled past like it was a still shot of what I thought was a parody of in- the new Indiana Jones, but no, that was actually him. He looks <laughs> he looks that old and haggard, and he's got the hat on. Like I thought it was somebody making fun of how old Harrison Ford, and really, what it's very, very upsetting and sad to see this. I thought they were just going to pass the torch to the Hindu flag guy, Shia LaBeouf, but apparently yeah. not. Apparently, I mean, maybe they do in this one. I don't know. It's just like, does the world need more? Indiana Jones. And I want to see like how many <sighs> It's so sad that like what YouTube has been reduced to over the past 6 7 years. I blame I blame Donald Trump's existence for this or it's like everything had to be They realized that YouTube had to get had to get corralled completely. We it's like we have to turn this into like the Jewish monoculture immediately. There's too many independent voices out here. And so YouTube is just all going to be about how great the new Indiana Jones series or, or film is. Like the, like no one no one says that the emperor has no clothes with this stuff. It's just like there's a collective celebration of everything. Like the like these Wakanda movies. It's like who the fuck is. Spending-
Oh, hi. Here's another interruption that's pre-recorded. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and pay for a subscription. We need your support. We need your help. We can't do this for free because we're Jews. Spending a billion dollars to go. Like People believe the bullshit, I guess, and there's nobody who's going to say, you guys actually eh, you know. enjoy Indiana Jones when you were kids? Because, like, again, I, loved I grew it, yeah. up. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in the in the in the the, the white nationalist household, so like I I was a little yeah, there was some cognitive dissonance whenever you would be like I hate Nazis. I'd be like, but wait, Nazis are good guys too, right? And and I was so I didn't understand the politics of it, and I was a little disturbed. But the filmmaking I enjoyed, and the second one I I always loved a lot because it was not he wasn't yeah. fighting Nazis, but they were they were well done movies. I mean, they're they're good films. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's sort of. And I always like the uh, the blonde Nazi chick in the third one. She's she's really uh, yeah, a yeah, cutie. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that she just stays a Nazi like the whole film. And then so of course like God must kill her at the end. Absolutely, she must die. Just even though Indy loves her and wants to save her, it's like well she's a Nazi, so God has just decreed that she must die. Uh, the end of the first one is very much like classic Spielberg Jew wish fulfillment. Uh, when you watch that again, it's also like, a lot of like projection too. Yes. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. You got the the Germans are trying to use this biblical lore to take over the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a little. That's interesting. Yeah. When did you get that idea? <laughs> I think the Germans see this like the the supernatural power in these artifacts that can give them world domination. The Germans are doing that? Yes? Okay. Okay, Mr. Spielberg. Sounds good. Makes perfect sense. It's funny because it's like once you've made Indiana Jones, it's hard to make Schindler's List and then expect it to be taken seriously because it's like you already have done the Via Nazisti Fraulein. Horrible. Like which is basically an anti-Asian stereotype, even though he's a German. Like the, <laughs> the 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 trope that that character is playing into is like the classic creepy Chinaman or something from like a Manchurian Candidate, because he's like this slant-eyed, you know, like yeah. Uh, I watched a cool movie the other day. Maybe you've heard of it. It was cool because it was so weird. It's from 2016. It was about Ray Kroc and McDonald's. I think it was called it was called Founder or something like that. It's Michael Michael Keaton is playing uh, Ray Kroc, and it was it was so weird because I don't know if, I don't know how much of about McDonald's and Ray Kroc that you are aware of. I don't know a lot. No. Oh God. Give me the uh, executive summary. Well, he basically revolutionized, or I don't know if he exactly created, but was franchising, franchising uh, assembly line. Food, uh, food preparation, and of course, just like cutting corners and finding more profitable to the point where now you know, you get you get like hamburgers of the size of like silver dollars, and there's no actual right. hamburger. You know, it, it gets to the, it takes it to that level where it's just like profit and then an expansion of the. Uh, and um, it was a weird movie to watch because I, you know, I could feel what they were trying to do, like they were trying to pull at the old like uh, American bootstrap conservative go out and get him because that's the kind of guy he built himself as like you know he 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 uh donated to the nixon campaign and he want you know he hated welfare and wanted he preached self-reliance and persistence and da, 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 da. but it's like it's like nigga you you like cheated on your wives you you screwed these guys out of their restaurant idea and you and you and you gave the country like you gave the country like the most poisonous food 
an entire industry with and, and and just like hundreds of copycats all over the world over and it's just like yeah okay you were you became wildly fantastically rich being uh basically an immoral scumbag so what it's a drama about Hey, it's your worst possible nightmare. It's the sound of Borzoi interrupting whatever wonderful talking point Mike is making right now, interrupting your own train of thought. And you're in this position listening to me right now, well, because you're listening to the free version of this show. You're not even getting all the content, and now you have to listen to me. Is this what you want? Is it really? This is the, You want to hear this? You want to hear me? That just can't possibly be what you want. So if you want to rectify that issue, go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. You can make one-time donations and get three months, six months, even a year. So why are you doing this to yourself? This has to be especially troubling because I'm not even going to check the audio and how this sounds. So you could also be listening to just terrible audio right now. So why not just stop doing this to yourself and get behind the paywall at the rightstuff.biz slash paywall? It's like a biopic? Yeah, it's like a biopic. But it's kind and of does a, it, so does it weigh like so it's taking like sort of a here's this guy warts and all but in the end yeah. he was good or is it like in the end he was bad kind of I feel like they wanted to say he was good but they had to back off and they also couldn't say he was bad because it's like then why did I watch this for two hours it's almost right. like the the like the drive was 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 honorable the, the drive he had the ability to see angles and things and get things done. And uh, and the way the change how the business worked were these are supposed to be these admirable qualities, but it's like in the end you he fucked over the people like he stole the idea from. It was a it was and right. it's a very interesting some, like American. Uh, is that a Michael Keaton movie? Yeah, yeah, Michael Keaton. I like Michael Keaton. I feel like yeah. he uh, I feel like he gets it. I, I've always sensed that about Michael Keaton. Really, he, just, he was the best Batman. <laughs> he was the best Batman. I don't yeah. really know anything about him. I just you know I know he's a pretty good actor. But, uh, yeah, he's he's got. A, it was just a it was just a weird from... thing. I could see like in a different time that being made where you would be you would come out of there worshiping Ray Kroc and you would love McDonald's because his his vision was like McDonald's. It's it's, it's the name. It it means America. It's like church. It's like you know, you know all these other restaurants, burger this, burger that. They're gimmicky. They're stupid. McDonald's can mean anything. It, it was like he just had this vision when he saw these people's like restaurant. It's not like he thought of it. Like they did the hard work. Yeah. He just took it and he like convince people that if you set well, if you set one up on your town you'll be successful and just keep going do that a million times and yeah and you kind of like it, it had this disgusting sales pitch where it's like there's two every town in america has two buildings one has a flag over it the other has a cross over it well i'm gonna i'm gonna introduce these towns to a third building with the golden arches over it and it's gonna inspire the same kind of community the same kind of this same kind of that and it's just like, and I just, I want to throw up. But I think that part is supposed to be for the plebs. Like, that's supposed to be inspiring. You're like, wow. And he did it. And I'm just like, Nick, we're talking, we're talking about like one of the most hated, like, cultural business institutions in the world. Like, if you talk about like dropping bombs from McDonald's across, across the Middle East or, or wherever the fuck else you're having a, we're having a war that week with America on behalf of the Jews, it's like, and now we're like doing like oh, a, McDonald's pulled out of Russia, you know, we're going to, Oh no. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. You're going <laughs> to, McDonald's like, is going to boycott. Russia. That's what was so funny. It's like suddenly you, suddenly you like McDonald's now. It's like lived, lived hard. It's like, don't, don't you think it's good yeah. that McDonald's pulled out of Russia? Isn't that, isn't that like, you know, garbage poison, pink slime, uh, pink slime, ammonia, chicken, whatever the fuck. I, I don't remember what the exact, uh, criticisms of that stuff were, but I just remember all this shit. And are there, isn't that the seed oil? Uh, this is the man that brought us seed oils, worldwide seed oils. Oh my God.
I was in uh, I was in in the Andes Mountains, Cusco is the capital of the old Inca Empire, and uh, it's it's in the plaza, the Plaza de Armas. There's you see the huge cathedral and the, all the buildings that the Spanish built 500 years ago, and it's unbelievable. And then before that, there's the stone that the Incas built when because when it was in the capital of their empire, and it's all. You know, they they did it without mortar, so the stone is all uh, fitted together so yeah. tightly and so perfectly that aliens when there would be these earthquakes, aliens did it. Aliens yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, right. When there would be these earthquakes, <laughs> the uh, the Spanish stuff would fall apart, but the Inca stuff would hold. So this hmm. ancient, and you know, they, they, before the Incas, there were other people that lived there. And in this plaza, there was a huge McDonald's arch, you know, because there's a lot of tourists there. And I'm like, wow, the symbols of various empires that Jesus. have uh, touched this place and have ruled from here. It was one of the most disgusting things to see that arch in this place. It was just like – but I remember thinking that probably 20 years ago, one time I was uh, parked at a parking lot and I was looking up outside the window at the flagpole outside McDonald's and there was the American flag and then the McDonald's flag. Mm -hmm. It's actually a fairly successful totalitarian uh, yeah. iconography, you know, with the, the yellow on red with the big M. Yep. But I remember well, thinking I don't know how if bizarre you, I, it was. I don't know if you know, but Hulk Hogan, that was why he picked his color scheme for his for his wrestling gear. Really? Because of McDonald's? Because of McDonald's. He's like, it's, it's everywhere and, and people love it. So it's like, I'm going to Hulkamania on, on red Hulkamania and a yellow shirt. Yeah. It's a good color scheme. It's, it, I mean, I it goes. It worked yeah. for them. It worked for gangbusters for Hulk Hogan and McDonald's. So. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I think he used to wear like white and blue, like a. And then it, it changed. Uh, I don't remember the exact exactly the history of that, but I know he's on he's on the record saying that. Work for McDonald's. We're going to go for it. Um, hey, you know, it's no, it's good. Uh, listen, as a, as a student of propaganda, I mean, it's 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 good branding. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's yeah. successful propaganda. Well, it's but it was also, just creepy to to have it as a flag. You know what I mean? Yeah. To have it as a flag flying on the pole that you have well, your it, national it fits, flag. It, it fits like a glove because it's like, what is? I mean, what do you think about? You think about McDonald's? I mean, it's 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 just it's just prints money. Like it's just hand over fist. Yeah. Like it, you, people do not stop consuming it, no matter how much. Uh, bad press you give it for being unhealthy or this or that. It does not stop printing money. Like, has a McDonald's ever closed? I can think of one. A McDonald's in Peekskill, New York closed. This is a this is a great claim to fame for uh, one of my hometowns. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a McDonald's closing. Yeah. yeah. But, sure. so, I'll I'll but, it's this, like, but it's like it's, the product, but the product is garbage. Right? It's like, it's, it's yeah. everything, it's everything about American capitalism. It's like the photographs of the product, they make it look amazing. You get it and it's totally unsatisfying. Uh, the content of it, like if you read the nutrition facts, are atrocious. They're just awful. And it's just, it's actually not as cheap as you think it is. It used to be cheap. It's not anymore. Right. And right. it's just, right. it's, but it doesn't stop expanding. It doesn't stop having, and you can't, you can't stop it. It's, you it's American capitalism. It. It's just, it's the, it just keeps going. It's the quintessential uh, example of the whole thing of how, of how disappointing and how it's like, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't compete with it. You can't stop it. And uh, all, all you can do is maybe not eat there. Here's an interesting piece of historical trivia. Do mm. either of you two know where the American flag design comes from? What was that bitch's name? Betsy Ross. Is that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the American flag. Uh, so you've heard of the British East India Company? Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, the British East India Company was um, the first successful like global corporation. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm bringing it up on Wikipedia right <laughs> now. Now it's America. 
Look at the flag of the British East India Company. In fact, um, whoops, we find the variation of it. The design of the American flag is based. I see the stripes, the stripes in the Union Jack, basically. Uh, The stripes in the Union Jack. Yes. Oh God, my mouse just froze. There you go. Was the yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and if you go to... uh, We're just a franchise. Let me me see. If (laughs) you go to the American flag, let me just see where first flag... Okay, yeah. Oh, 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 you don't like interruptions. Well, this is a different kind of interruption. This is a pre-recorded interruption to remind you that you wouldn't be hearing this interruption if you would actually pony up, support our work here at TRS, and buy a subscription to the show. It's only $10 a month. Uh, un- un- unless you're using like e-checks, then there's some extra fees because the e-checks fucking suck. Don't use those. The point is, we need your support. You can't use credit cards anymore. It's kind of a pain in the balls, but we still need you to help us out. And if you're enjoying the content, uh, these silly commercials will go away. We won't bother you anymore if you just do. So go to the right stuff. Biz slash paywall. Uh, make an order. You can use e-checks. You can mail in a money order. You can use. A bunch of different cryptocurrencies, all which suck and are annoying, but we'll get it figured out. Or you can go to my Odyssey channel, Uncle Spend's Other Tone Stream, and you can uh, give me a donation there and send me a screenshot of the transaction. We'll get you figured out. So, yeah. I guess any second now we'll go back to the show. I don't know when because I don't want these to be quick and predictable so that you can't just skip through them to make them go away. So this one's going to be a little extra long. But yeah, you need a subscription. You need a subscription. So the first flag, if you go to go to just Ameri- the American flag on Wikipedia, and you'll see the first flag of the United States, which was the Grand Union flag. All and right, check the out, first see if flag. It looks- oh, it looks a little bit. It looks a little similar. It's a square instead of a rectangle. That must. That's just that's to get around the that, trademark infringement, that right? That was <laughs> the original flag of. The United States. It says the first flag resembling the modern stars and stripes was an unofficial flag, sometimes called the Grand Union flag or the Continental Colors. It consisted of 13 red and white stripes with the British Jack in the upper left-hand corner. First appeared December 3, 1775, when Continental Navy Lieutenant John Paul Jones flew it aboard Captain Isaac Hopkins' flagship Alfred in the Delaware River. It remained Mm. the national flag until June 14, 1777. At the time of the Declaration of Independence in 1776, the Continental Congress would not legally adopt flags with stars white in a blue field for another year. Mm. So at the time of the Declaration of Independence, this was the flag of the United States, the Grand Union flag. It has historically been referred to as the first national flag of the United States. It is the same flag. As the British East yeah, like India is, Company. I'm looking like, is it actually square versus rectangle, or is this just like some kind of error with the JPEG yeah, I don't know. being rendered? I don't know if that's... But it's the same And if flag. you go to the British East India Company, it says company company flag. That yeah. was their flag, their company flag. And, it, and it, if you read about that, for anybody who doesn't know, English, later British, joint stock company founded in 1600 and dissolved in 1874, formed to trade in the Indian Ocean region with the East Indies. Um originally chartered as the governor and company of merchants of London trading into the East Indies. The company rose to account for half of the world's trade during the mid 1700s and early 1800s. Eventually came to rule large areas of India. It's basically the first global corporation. So it's funny because when I used to be like horrified looking at the McDonald's flag next to the American flag (laughs) and think, how can they fly 
the flag of this global franchise corporation next to the national flag of the United States. It's like, well, actually. Uh, that's funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's interesting, isn't it's horrifying. it? It's just like, it's like, how can we, I, I go back and forth on the American flag. I sometimes am like, you know, we should have the American flag always with the NJP flag because it's our country. It's our nation. I get real bad, bad pushback, though, from like half the NJP guys, like Tony Hovader and Greg Conti. And <laughs> they, they're like, no, we're not going to fly that next to the. We're, we're not flying the Yankee rag. Well, yeah, I'm not, I don't find it particularly inspiring either. Uh, I see both sides of it. You know, sometimes I'm like, that's our national flag and we're in America. So just use it to say like we're an American party we're an American I guess movement so. but it is really from the beginning it has very bad associations yeah. and then you know yeah I just, I just never grew up respecting the symbol because my, my dad told me about the, the history of the country and I was like fuck that fuck that flag <laughs> that flag sucks what did <laughs> your dad tell sucked. you wait wait so what did your dad tell you about I, the dude history? I grew I grew up with my dad being in the Sons of Confederate Veterans, he was a camp commander, so I, I learned all about the, the war between states and Lincoln and all of that stuff. Okay, okay. That that that's why when nine eleven happened, I was just like, meh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, when nine eleven happened, I'm not gonna lie. I was just like, yeah, it's, it's blowback for intervention with in the Middle East, doing the, the Jews, bombing bombing the world for, for 50 years, 60 years. I'm like, of course, you know, it's going to, you know, what goes around comes around. I remember being happen. like, they don't they don't have the right to give us blowback. We run this pigsty. Yeah, that's very, very, very George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> the good old, supposed to just good take old it. George Bush days. There were family friends asking if me and my brother would join the military. My parents were like, <laughs> yeah, right. Hell no. <laughs> Why so would they did, fight for this stupid country? I mean, if it sounds a Confederate veteran, <laughs> see, my, my, my dad was in the uh, – uh, there was a group called the North-South Skirmish Association that was uh, – they would have this annual thing called the Nationals where they would do like – it wasn't like – some of them would get into reenacting. A lot of it was just shooting like old-timey rifles. His friends growing up in East PA were uh, huge Civil War history buffs, and their father was too, and he actually had – collected a lot of old original uniforms and things because back then you could still get your hands on it hmm. so so the uh the confederate stuff even though my family was all yankee there was that influence you know when i was when i was a kid well my middle name is forrest after nathan bedford forrest so my dad was very into you know like the, the that the, the confederate heroes and everything i never really took to it i always was like i guess because i was growing up in west virginia as a yankee so i'm like you know Glad the fucking Union won. Yeah, you know it's funny because West Virginia was on the other side, but you talk to people here and it's the South, though. It's the, it's South. the South. I mean, it's more yeah culturally, it's more the South than the West North. Virginia. West Virginia is like the go-to. You want to talk about it? Whether or not it's the South, like if if a if a Yankee fucking comedian wants to make like a derogatory statement about about Southerners and and Backwoods, redneck, inbred. You know, West Virginia is the go-to. Maybe, maybe Kentucky. This is pretty annoying, huh? All this can go away. You bought a paywall. Rightstuff.biz/paywall. But it's like it's maybe it's probably neck and neck. Like West Virginia and Kentucky are like the ones that 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 northeastern faggot ass fucking Yankees will will use to like make fun of 
people that they're trying to destroy and pretend that they're not actually committing well, that started though with genocide. the that started with like the virginia you know make yeah. fun of west virginia i mean at least uh mm. the plantation side of things you know because mm-hmm. the people here were always just the real well very scotch irish you know mountain mountaineer types clannish yeah. it's funny uh alex I, I went to um actually when i was at when we did the pikeville thing uh we went through mate one where the labor wars you know big big labor battle fought mm. in mate one there's a terrific film about it and uh, there's a museum there talking about the Hatfields and the McCoys also because that was um, the ground zero for the Hatfields and the McCoys. In fact, the, the sheriff of Matewan, Sid Hatfield, who very famously wiped out a bunch of these mercenaries that were hired by the coal company to kind of crush the workers there. And uh, he was like this people's sheriff, two-gun Sid Hatfield, and he killed a bunch of them. <laughs> like, it was a really, really cool moment. Uh, in labor history, in American history. But his grandfather, Devil Lance Hatfield, was like the patriarch of the Hatfields during the Hatfield and the McCoy feud. But if you read about it, they basically just, they had already been feuding back in the old country. So they just took their Scotch-Irish feuds and their clans from, you know, I guess the Scottish portion of Ireland mm-hmm. and uh, and just yeah. basically transplanted it Absolutely. to the... So it wasn't something that started in the Appalachian Mountains. It was like it had been started way before. Uh, so it's just kind of funny how this most American of things, like the Hatfields versus the McCoys, is still something that was just like a European transplant. <laughs> but the Scotch-Irish people in West Virginia are a, are a trip. I, I, I rag on the Scotch-Irish a lot because they're just a stubborn – stubborn ornery people ornery is the word they use emily the other day heard somebody use the word ornery for the first time she's like <laughs> what does that mean i'm like well it means ornery is like you know my bus driver used to call me ornery he would say <laughs> see you later ornery like, i don't know what that means but <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> all right well yeah, no, they, those people just want to be left alone man they just want to live in their little hollers and be left alone I understand. I'm the same way. I'm sorry. They yeah. Need, I'm sorry. They need they need transvisibility. It just you have to be left alone. What kind yeah. of transvisibility is there in the haulers? Well, the best way to it's if you want to se- from the haulers if you want to if you want to sell national socialism to Scotch Irish mountaineers, the best way to do it is just promote woke shit, and they will in their orneriness. <laughs> go hard in the other direction like whatever you want them to do you got to like give them the opposite and they will fall back in their stubborn orneriness they will fall back on whatever is the opposite of the thing that you're trying to push them uh, you know sell them on if you try to sell the people in pennsylvania you could be like yeah let's let's be national socialists they'd be like yeah let's do it people in west virginia they'll be like you know no they're they're not gonna have cooperation uh, you know <laughs> unity people like marching in step getting together no 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 no, we can't have that but you sell them the, the woke shit and then it's like it's funny i see more confederate flags though in pennsylvania than i do in west virginia people say I mean, that when a i'm lot driving of, around a lot people say that a lot that. anybody rural yeah. will be flying that flag yeah it's become the universal anti you know everything that people hate symbol it's either that or like a fuck Biden flag. Fuck Biden. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that. That's just what we go with now. Like, there's no, there's no, Dude, there's no that buck. Reminds me. There's of no buck fighting flags. It's just, yeah. It's like it's like the the evolution of fud ruckers. 
It's like yeah. we're we are now we are eating at buttfuckers now. It's like just fuck Biden. <laughs> you know? It's like they've just they've taken away all the Fuck first you! They were, I'm they eating. Doing, let's go, Brandon. And yeah. now we've evolved to just saying, "Fuck Biden." Let's br- let's go, Brandon. Fuck you! I'm. Voting. I kind of like that better because <laughs> I mean, the left did it. Remember when the left had the, the you know, under Trump? They had that horrible commercial where there were like all these little kids, and they were like, "Fuck Trump! Fuck Trump! Fuck oh Trump!" My God. You know, it was just yeah, I think really obscene and horrible to see all these little kids swearing, but. I actually thought the let's go Brandon was more gay. It's like, come on. I mean, just say it. Just say it. You know, if you don't like Joe Biden, just see, just I'm out. I'm out on my own. I always thought let's go Brandon was funny because they were saying, fuck you, Biden. And this, this, this shitty, like system like, apparatus like puns and, and well, stuff. I liked, I know I liked that. What was happening is like Weasley reporter for basically, I mean, all media is state run media in America. Like you go to the right stuff. biz slash paywall. For your subscription today. You're fucking serving the master there. And he he did this horribly embarrassing, humiliating cope to cover for the fact that the crowd is chanting, fuck you, Biden. It's like, oh, they're they're chanting, let's go, Brandon. I thought that was funny as hell. That, like, That's they, right. I, I forgot that it did start. It actually yeah. had a moment where it got, okay, you know, you're right. When it first got started, that's that was funny. Yes. I mean, do you need to sell a million t-shirts of that? But I just, I just thought that was hilarious because of, not because of the actual sentiment. Like, I could give, you know, at this point, like, fuck you, fuck you, Biden. Like, all right, whatever. It's like, fuck all these people. But the idea that this, uh, showing the, the lengths that these people will go to and look you in the eye and lie right to your face, I thought that was, I thought that was a good illustration of it because the, there he was on Everybody saw it. That's why it became this big meme. They shouldn't be able to live that down. So, but there, but as usual, like when you have this, when you have the, uh, this sort of the polarized public, and you have you know, every every media outlet is clearly in the tank of one or not one or the other, uh, and it seems to be the it seems to be the one side is bigger than the other. The the Democrat they're right. able to sort of they're able to sort of just turn that into like a low class. Like they're able they're able to survive. Like oh no, we're not we're not like embarrassingly. Like shilling for the whole operation here. Those people are just dumb rednecks that say fuck. That say let's go, Brandon. And you should look down on them for noticing what happened. <laughs> They're able to like do that Jedi mind trick, and it's frustrating. But I'm going to do a Jedi mind trick now and go to break. We should take a break because it's been an hour twenty. Yeah, yeah. We got. I got some political stuff. We'll we'll dig into here. In a yeah, I've got this Bankman Fried crying about a uh, crying about jail article too that we need to go through. That's really goddamn yeah. funny. It's really rich. So. Uh, no mercy minute today. Morikow said he needs to do it Friday, so uh, we'll just be. Well, if you're listening to this after that, we'll be back like almost instantaneously. You were listening to the Daily uh, Sawa.